let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Rev. Richard C. Whitcomb. Carla Squitiri had just finished cleaning up her kitchen on a Sunday night. She washed her hands, removed her wedding ring, and placed it on a paper towel to dry on the kitchen counter by her sink. Then she left the kitchen and forgot about her ring. Later that evening, Carla's husband, Bernie, noticed the paper towel on the counter and decided to throw it away. He didn't know that Carla's diamond ring was wrapped in the towel, and Carla didn't remember her ring that night. And so it was that on Monday morning, the rubbish bin was emptied, and the rubbish company carried away Carla's diamond wedding ring. And this was no ordinary ring. In fact, it was a 12 and a half carat diamond ring worth 400,000 US dollars. Well, you can imagine Carla's shock when she discovered that her very expensive wedding ring had been thrown away and carried off by the rubbish company. And you can imagine the trouble poor Bernie was in for causing the wedding ring to go to the rubbish dump. So in a desperate attempt to recover what was lost, Carla and Bernie jumped in their car and raced off to the rubbish dump. They received permission to search through the heaps of rubbish to try to find the ring. But when they got to the dump, their hearts sank. There was a pile of rubbish so big and so full of paper, they thought for sure they would never find the ring. Everywhere you looked, There was a piece of wadded paper, Carla said. There must have been thousands and thousands of them. It was very discouraging, and I was crying and very upset. But Carla and Bernie valued the ring. It wasn't just the monetary value. It was Carla's wedding ring. They'd been married for nearly 30 years. And because the ring meant everything to them, they set out to dig through the rubbish. They were prepared to go as deep as necessary to find the ring. They were willing to spend as much time as was required to recover what was lost. Carl and Bernie said some prayers and started digging deeper. They were joined in their search by Joe Evans, the operations manager at the rubbish dump. And in a miraculous answer to prayer, after 22 minutes of digging deeper, Joe Evans found the missing wedding ring. I found it, he shouted. In a pile of rubbish, 50 meters wide and 6 meters high, Joe Evans had uncovered Carla's missing wedding ring. It's a miracle, Bernie said. And so it was, a miracle of God's grace to recover what was lost. A miracle that came about when a couple prayed and was willing to dig deeper. There's a powerful lesson for all of us in the amazing true story of Carla and Bernie and their successful search for the missing wedding ring. You see, in many ways, we're all just like Carla and Bernie. We've been so caught up in the ordinary tasks of life, but we've lost sight of what really matters, walking with Jesus every day. Many of us have neglected what God has given us. We've carelessly set aside and forgotten about the most valuable thing in our lives, our relationship with Jesus. 
So in order to recover what we've lost, in order to get back the most valuable treasure we possess, we need to search like we're searching for treasure. We have to leave our place of comfort and make the effort to dig deeper. For I hear Jesus calling us all deeper. I hear the Spirit of the Lord calling us back to our first love. God's grace and miraculous power is available to all of us to bring us back to Him. But in order to regain what we've lost, we have to get up and search for Him. We must all pay the price to go deeper. That's the message in our sermon today. We're going to hear the call of Jesus to pay the price and walk deeper with Him. But before we learn more, let us bow our heads and pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, I pray that you'll open our ears today and give us spiritual understanding. Let us hear your call. Let us hear your cry. Let us hear your love, your passion, wooing us back to our first love, to a deeper walk with you. We submit to you right now. We bind every voice of the enemy that would come to deceive or disturb or distract us. And in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I loose the power of the Holy Spirit, the power to enlighten our minds, the power to give us the grace to obey, the power to transform us and take us deeper. We thank you that at the end of the day, your name will be glorified and our lives will be changed for your glory in Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said amen and amen. I want to take a moment and invite you to join your faith with mine right now and pray with me. Would you just put your hand on your chest and say after me, Lord Jesus, speak to my heart, change my life, manifest your glory in me. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Well, hello everyone, and welcome to today's broadcast. I am so thankful to God for bringing us together as we continue our sermon series titled Deeper. We began this series last week with the sermon Deeper with Jesus, and in that message, we heard the heart cry of God to every one of us today. God is calling us deeper with him. You see, no matter who you are and no matter what you've experienced in the spirit realm, there is always more for you in Christ. And when you believe that, and when you begin to hunger for more of God, then you will make room for him. You'll make any adjustment necessary to go deeper with Jesus. Now, if you happen to miss last week's sermon, Deeper with Jesus, I encourage you to go to my YouTube channel and watch that message today. God has something deeper for you, and you don't want to miss out on all that he has for you. Today, we're continuing to go deeper with Jesus in our sermon titled, A Deeper Walk. And to help us learn the truth for today, we've prepared sermon notes so you can follow along with me as I preach. The sermon notes are available in the notes section of our Facebook page and on our websites. The information is on your screen, so go ahead and download the notes, and let's get started on a deeper walk with Jesus. Our scripture text for today is one simple verse from our Lord Jesus Christ. It's found in the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 9 and verse 23. The words are on your screen and on your notes, but I believe God's word has the most impact when it's in our hearts and on our lips. So I invite you to read this verse out loud together with me. Let's read it like we mean it. Are you ready? Here we go. Then Jesus said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, 
You must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your hearts in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. In this simple statement from Jesus, we hear a clear call to follow him. And Jesus teaches us the three steps we all need to take to go on a deeper walk with Jesus. And here's your first step today, a deeper surrender. Everybody say surrender. See, the first step to a deeper walk with Jesus is a deeper surrender. Listen again to what our scripture text tells us. Jesus said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. In other words, if you want to follow Jesus, you must surrender your whole life to him. There's no other way to follow him. There's no other path to becoming his disciple. There's only one way to belong to Jesus, and that is through complete surrender of yourself to him. This is the same thing we find taught in the great commandment given by Jesus in Matthew 22, 37 and 38. When Christ was asked, what is the greatest commandment of all? The Bible says, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. This is the first and greatest commandment because it is the foundation for every relationship with God. There's nothing more important, nothing more central to knowing God than this one commandment. And in this command, it is clear the totality of the surrender required from us. Jesus said, love God with all your heart. Somebody say all. With all your soul, with all your mind. Every part of you belongs to him. For it is impossible to follow Jesus halfway. It is impossible to follow him partially. It's all or nothing. You can't have your way and go God's way. You can't live for self and live for Jesus. It is one or the other. It is all or nothing. If Jesus is not Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. And this is your God-given purpose and destiny. Complete surrender is not just for a select few. It's not just for pastors and missionaries and those who dedicate their lives to serving God in ministry. It is the purpose and destiny of every believer, of every child of God. For when you obey this command and love God supremely, you fulfill your purpose in life. That's what the Bible tells us in Ephesians 1, 9 to 11. Listen carefully to how God's word describes God's purpose for your life. God has told us his secret reason for sending Christ, a plan he decided on in mercy long ago. And this was his purpose. Tell your neighbor, this was his purpose. That when the time is ripe, he will gather us all together from wherever we are, in heaven or on earth, to be with him in Christ forever. Moreover, because of what Christ has done, we have become gifts to God that he delights in. For as part of God's sovereign plan, we were chosen from the beginning to be his. So put your hand on your chest and say, I've been chosen to be his. 
See, God's purpose is that we would be his. God's purpose for every life is that we would be with him in Christ, to love him forever, to be a gift that he delights in. And think about what that means. The Bible says you are a gift to God. We are gifts to God. We often think of the gifts God will give to us. Many of us focus our attention on what we can get from God. But your purpose in life is not to receive gifts from God. Your purpose in life is to be be a gift to God. Your life is a gift to him. Put your hand on your chest and say, Lord, I am a gift to you. We've been chosen to belong to him. He's the reason for our lives. He's the reason for the church. He's the center of it all. And we must not lose sight of our purpose. We're not here to occupy space. We're not here to make our name known. We're not here to enjoy life. Our only purpose as individuals is to know God and to love God with all we have. And we must stay focused on our purpose. Once upon a time, a man was walking down the road of the town he lived in when he came upon a construction site where three men were working. He questioned several of them about what they were doing. The first man replied irritably, can't you see? I'm chiseling stones. The second man answered without looking up, well, I'm earning money to eat. But when the same question, what are you doing, was put to the third man, he stopped put his pick down, stood up, stuck out his chest and said, if you want to know what I'm doing, I'm building a mighty cathedral. Each of these men were occupied, but each of them had a different focus. The first man was only focused on his activity, his work. I'm chiseling stones, he said. The second man was looking only at the benefit he would derive. I'm earning my daily keep, he said. But the third man looked beyond his tools. He looked beyond his wages to the ultimate purpose he was serving. He saw the end and focused on the goal. And that's the lesson we all need to learn today. For you can get caught up in the activity of life and miss the purpose of life. You can get caught up in your progress and miss your purpose. And as long as your focus in life is on activity or what you're doing or your progress or the benefits you get or any other temporal pleasure, then you will never find true peace and fulfillment. When you focus on the temporal business of life, you'll find life difficult and drudgery. But when you focus on your purpose, your life has meaning, your life has fulfillment. You'll have the strength and motivation to live life fully when you focus on loving God supremely. For our purpose in life is not our own enjoyment. Our purpose in life is not the benefits we will receive. Our purpose in life is not to get ahead of our neighbor. Our purpose in life is to glorify God and love him supremely. Never lose sight of your purpose. For Christ calls you today to follow him fully and to surrender to him. Not partway, not half-hearted, not to love him with your heart but not your mind and your soul. Not to love him along with a hundred other idols. Not to love him with the mistress on the side yet sadly when you think about it this is where many of us are falling short today this is the problem for many in the church rather than centering our lives around Jesus we are demanding that Jesus center his life around us 
We want life to revolve around us and our needs and our desires and our dreams. We act as if we are the center of the universe and God is our houseboy. Hey! We act as if God's one and only goal is to please us and grant us our prayers. And the problem for so many of us is this. We are simply using Christianity as a means to get what we want. For the fact is, every act of worship can be done for a selfish reason. Jesus taught us this in the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 6. First of all, Jesus taught us that giving can be done for the wrong reason. Listen to his words in verses 1 and 2. Watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, they have received all the reward they will ever get. So understand what Jesus is saying to you. If your reason in giving is so that you can be seen by men and admired by men so that others will applaud for you, then your giving will not attract the blessing of God. You may be praised on earth, but you will not receive any reward in heaven. And Jesus says the same thing about prayer. In Matthew 6, 5, he says, when you pray... Don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. Jesus says the same thing about fasting. Listen to his words in Matthew 6, 16. And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. And Jesus is clearly telling us that no matter how good the act is, if it comes from a wrong motive, it does not please God. Fasting is good, and praying is good, and giving is good, but the truth is you can do all of those things to be admired by men and lose your reward in heaven. For the truth is even preaching, even preaching can be done for selfish glory and ambition. Listen to the Apostle Paul in Philippians 1.15. It's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. So some preach Christ from a wrong heart, and some preach Christ from a good heart. The difference is the motive. If your motive in serving God is so that you can get something from him, then you are not surrendered to Jesus. If your motive in giving, or praying, or fasting, or preaching is to gain for yourself, you are not surrendered to Jesus. A lot of churches have been started for the glory of the pastor, not the glory of God. A lot of ministries exist today for the enrichment of the prophet, not the advancement of God's kingdom. And every single act of Christian worship can be done from a wrong motive. And unless you make a deeper surrender and give Jesus all you are and all you have, you will never experience true relationship with him. It's impossible to walk deeper with Jesus when you're not surrendered. And he's calling us to a deeper walk with him that requires you to give up your own way. 
Remember our text in Luke 9.23. Jesus said, if any of you, anyone, wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. In other words, your motives must be pure. Your heart must be surrendered. You must not be seeking your way and your enrichment and your praise, but instead you must seek God's way. You must not seek your own gain, but instead seek God's gain. You must give up pleasing yourself so you can live to please God. Once a Christian brother had a dream. In his dream, an angel came to him and took him on a journey. The angel took him to a church service in a big mega church. The choir was dressed beautifully and they were singing powerfully. The band was playing. The people were singing. But to the brother's surprise, there was absolutely no noise coming from the church. It was as if someone had pressed the mute button. It was completely silent at the church. When the man asked the angel why there was no noise, the angel replied, God only hears when the sound being made comes from a heart of love and worship. The brother was surprised. Then he asked the angel, but what about the keyboard player? Isn't he worshiping God? He's playing his music so well. Why is there no sound from the keyboard? And the angel said, oh, he's only playing for the chop money the church pays him. The brother asked the angel, well, what, what about the lead singer? Tears are coming down her cheeks. She's lifting her hands. Surely she's loving Jesus. Oh, the angel said. She's only doing that so men will see her. In fact, she's more interested in showing off her new dress than she is in worshiping Jesus. What about the preacher, the man said. Isn't he preaching for the glory of God? Oh no, the angel said. The preacher is only preaching so that men will admire him. Well, what about the lady in the back? She's weeping as she prays. Oh, the angel said. She's weeping in bitterness. She's asking God to kill her enemies. Well, what about the man in the back? He's not singing. He just came to look for a wife in all this great church with the beautiful choir and the instrumentalists and the preacher and the people praying, not one single sound arose to God in heaven. Will the rocks have to cry out? Will the stones be forced to praise God? Is there no one, is there no one whose worship is sincere and genuine? Is there no sound of worship to God? And finally, the angel took the brother to a small boy in the back of the church. And the man heard a small voice, the sound of the child praying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The only sound that reached heaven was the sound of a small child praying. All the other activity, all the other noise on earth could not be heard in heaven. For God only hears our praise when it comes from a heart of love for him. So let me ask you a question today. If the only noise coming from your life was the sound of the things you say and do out of a heart of true love for God, how much noise would your life make? 
would your praise be heard in heaven? Would your service bring joyful sounds to the throne of God? For I want my life to make a joyful sound of praise to God in heaven. I want our church to be loud in heaven. I want all that I have and all that I am to bring Jesus the loudest shout of praise. That's how the New Testament church lived. They went all in for God, and their surrender shook heaven and earth. The seed of the gospel was sown with their tears as they faced persecution from Jews and Gentiles alike. The seed of the gospel was fertilized by the blood of the martyrs as they faced death rather than deny the Lord. And in response to their surrender, God moved in power. The world was turned upside down as Christianity he swept the earth glorifying God and transforming lives and all great men and women of God have always had this same type of total surrender to Jesus the great pastor John Knox prayed Lord give me Scotland or I die St. Patrick, a rugged believer who transformed the nation of Ireland, prayed, God, give me souls or give me nothing else. During the Hebrides revival, the church prayed, Lord, if you will not use us, please kill us. Paul said, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. But today, our prayers are quite different. Today's church prays, God, give me money. God, give me a husband. God, give me contract. God, give me car. Give me house. Give me visa. Give me breakthrough. Where are the believers in this generation whose heart cry is, Lord, let your fire fall in my community and let there be revival? Where are the Christians whose one consuming passion is Jesus and souls? When Paul encountered Christ on the Damascus road, he fell down like a dead man. And when he arose, he said to God, Lord, what will you have me to do? But today, when we fall under the anointing, we stand up and start claiming our blessings. We claim our breakthrough, our finance, our visa, our contract, our marriage proposal. This generation of church members has not had a genuine encounter with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We're not walking with Jesus because we have not made a deeper surrender. No generation has carried the Bible like we do without opening it or reading it. No generation has been as materially driven as we are, and yet we still expect God to meet us. No generation has been as corrupted by the world's thinking as this generation, and yet we think we are wise. We think we know it all. We need a deeper surrender. We need to join the great cloud of witnesses and yield ourselves fully to God. For surrender has always been the response of the saints. From the day of Pentecost till now, those who truly follow Jesus love him with all they are and all they have. For you see, they tasted the goodness of the Lord and there was no turning back. They found the pearl of great price and there was nothing on earth that could satisfy them any longer. And they made a deeper surrender. All they had and all they were belonged to God. And that leads us to our 
second step to a deeper walk, a deeper sacrifice. You see, the first step is a deeper surrender. But our journey deeper with Jesus doesn't end there. Listen again to Luke 9, 23. Jesus said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must take up your cross daily. For once we surrender, there's still a deeper place for us to go. It's the place of carrying our cross every day, a place of sacrifice. The cross is ultimately a symbol of sacrifice. Jesus sacrificed his life for us on the cross. And our goal is not to carry a wooden cross, but we are called in the same way to daily sacrifice ourselves for him. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you today. Sacrifice is the evidence of the extent of your love for Jesus. That's why Jesus said in John 15, 13, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Now, I'll be honest, most of us don't get excited when we hear the word sacrifice. We don't jump and shout, hey, we hope God won't require it from us. We hope that someone else will be called to sacrifice. But friends, you do not love Jesus unless you sacrifice for him. The greatest expression of love and devotion for Christ is to lay something down on his altar and sacrifice it for him. And the funny thing is we all value sacrifice in other areas. We admire it in other people. We're inspired by it. We hear stories of it and we applaud those who paid the price, and rightfully so. But why is it that something so admired among men is so lacking in the church today? Mothers make sacrifices for their children, and we all clap for them. Company founders make sacrifices for their businesses, and we all emulate them. Politicians make sacrifices for their parties, and we vote for them. Nelson Mandela made sacrifices to win freedom and equality for the people of South Africa. He was imprisoned for 27 years. He lost so much, but those sacrifices he made were all worthwhile when he came forth from prison and led his nation to a better day. Thank God for the exemplary life and sacrifices of such a man. But why do we value such in the political world, but shun it in the spiritual world? Why would we applaud sacrifice to bring political freedom to men, but refuse to acknowledge that sacrifice will bring spiritual freedom and that's even more valuable. For whether we like it or not, sacrifice has always been a part of service to God. That's why God admonishes us in Romans 6.13, give yourselves completely to God since you've been given new life and use your whole body as a tool to do what is right for the glory of God. In other words, let everything you are and everything you have be committed to him. Make the choice today to sacrifice for Jesus. After all, this is our reasonable response to all that he's done for us. He gave his life for us. We ought to give our all to him. For didn't Jesus wear the crown of thorns? The Romans twisted the thorns with long, sharp spikes and drove it into his head. Blood flowed into his eyes and down his cheeks. 
Didn't Jesus take the whip on his back? The lead-tipped whip struck him blow after blow 39 times till the flesh was shredded on his back. Didn't he carry the cross up the hill? The heavy wooden beams were placed on his raw, bleeding shoulders. He was forced to carry the cross as the crowd mocked him. Didn't he receive the nails in his hands and feet? He could have escaped. He could have called 10,000 angels. After all, he created the tree that held him. He formed the iron that pierced him. But he stayed at Calvary and gave himself for us. Didn't he hang naked on the cross? Didn't he suffer and die like a thief for us? Didn't he endure the agony and shame? Didn't he experience the pain of being forsaken by his Father, didn't Jesus descend into hell so you wouldn't have to? Didn't he endure the agony of death so we could live? Didn't he do all that and more so that we could be saved? Didn't he rise from the dead? And in the light of all he's done, shouldn't we now live for him? Shouldn't we now sacrifice for him? For the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15, the love of Christ controls us. He died for all so that those who live would not continue to live for themselves. He died for them and was raised from death so that they would live for him. He died and rose so that you would not continue to live for yourself. He died and rose that you would live for him so that you would love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength so you would sacrifice your life for Jesus. So in view of all that he's done for us, what should our response be? Romans 12, 1 says, Brothers and sisters, in view of all we've just shared about God's compassion, I encourage you to offer your bodies as living sacrifices dedicated to God and pleasing to him. In view of his great sacrifice, shouldn't all that we have belong to him? Shouldn't all that we are be his? Shouldn't all that we do be done out of love for Jesus? He is calling you to a deeper surrender. He is calling you to a deeper sacrifice. And that leads us to our third step in a deeper walk, a deeper shared life. The final step Jesus gives us in Luke 23 is this. Jesus said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must follow me. See, Christ is calling us to himself. He doesn't call us to a religion. He doesn't call us to follow a man or a pastor or a pope or a prophet. He calls us to share life with him every day, to walk with him, to be with him, to abide in him. And here's the really good news for all of us today. When you follow Jesus, you discover the amazing truth that he is all you need. When you surrender all for Jesus, you'll discover you gain more than you can imagine. For when you walk deeper with Jesus, he becomes your all in all. That's why Colossians 2, 9 and 10 teaches us, and because you belong to Christ, you are complete, having everything you need. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you today. A deeper walk with Jesus makes you complete. When you surrender all and sacrifice for him, you have all you need. 
Listen to how the Apostle Paul teaches us this truth in Romans 8, 17 to 18. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. The rewards of surrender and sacrifice far outweigh the cost. For when we share in the fellowship of his suffering, we also share in the power of his resurrection. You can't have the crown till you carry the cross. You can't rule and reign with him unless you suffer with him. But when you do, when you take a deeper sacrifice and a deeper surrender, you take a deeper walk, you share life with Jesus. Your surrender and your sacrifice lead you to a shared life, eternal life, glorious life with Jesus. That's why you can't outgive God. If you sacrifice anything at all for him, you gain eternal blessings, for he is our life. He's our all in all. That's the promise we find in Colossians 3, 3 to 4. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, put your hand on your chest and say, Christ is my life. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put your hand on your chest and say, Christ is my life. I will share in his glory. He's our life. We're following him. He's calling us to himself to walk with him every day. It's a deeper walk, and it's the only path to the deeper life. It's a walk of surrender, a walk of sacrifice, but most of all, it's a walk with him. He is the focus. He's the reason. He's the joy. He gives the strength. He gives us all we need. Once, many years ago, I was on an airplane, sitting in my seat as the other passengers boarded. Some of the passengers came on, were happy, they were talking and laughing with their friends. Some were very serious, they were going somewhere, and they were reading or waiting. Then a little boy came on. All the time he was walking down the aisle of the plane, he kept telling his father, I want to meet the pilot! I want to meet the pilot! The boy wasn't interested in the airplane. They tried to get him to look at the engines and to distract him with the dynamics of the airplane. But he wasn't interested. They tried to get him to watch a film on the screen in front of him. But he lost interest. He wasn't looking for a comfortable seat or a special treat. He wasn't making conversation with those around him. He had one thing on his mind. He wanted to meet the pilot. He wanted to go up front and visit the cockpit. He wanted to greet the man who had his life in his hands. He wanted to know the man who was guiding his journey, the man who made it all possible. I sat in my seat and I was wondering if this small boy was going to disturb throughout the whole flight. The boy kept persisting. And finally, to my relief, one of the stewardesses eventually came and took the little boy by the hand. She led him up to the cockpit and introduced him to the pilot. The pilot let the little boy sit on his lap and put his little hand on the controls. He talked to him, and when the boy left, the pilot gave him a small pin shaped like wings. You should have seen the smile on that boy's face when he came back to his seat. He had met 
the pilot. That boy didn't think of the plane ride. That boy didn't think of anything else. When the plane landed, he didn't talk about the journey. He could only talk about one thing. I met the pilot. I met the pilot. Friends, the church is like that airplane. Some people come in just for the ride, hoping for nothing more than a pleasant experience. Some people have nothing else on their mind except to pray that they will go to church and come home safely. Some are just happy to be among friends. They're caught up in meeting and greeting and talking and fellowshipping with others. Some are bored. Some are sleeping. Some are there simply out of duty. But oh, how I wish we were all like that little boy. Oh, how I pray we could all be like him. Oh, how I wish we could all be focused on meeting the pilot. How I wish that when we leave church, we don't talk about the message. We don't talk about the music. We don't speak about the crowd. How I wish we could all say, I met the Lord. I met the Lord. You see, I want to meet the Lord. He's my pilot. I've come on board and I want to know him. I'm not interested in my surroundings. I don't care about the comfort of the seat or the beauty of the vessel. I don't want to be distracted by my friends around me or by the food they serve. I want to meet the pilot. I want to meet the one who has my life in his hands. I want to know the one who's guiding my journey. I want to speak with the one who makes life possible. I want to go up front and meet Jesus. And I will not be content to stay behind with the others. I will not be satisfied to sit in the back and listen to the music or watch the movie. I will not settle for a smooth ride in a comfortable seat. I want to meet the pilot. He's the great and awesome God. He's done everything for me. I owe him my all, so I will walk with him. I will surrender my all, my heart, my soul, my mind, my strength. I will love him with all that I have and all that I am. It belongs to him. I will sacrifice to him and share in the fellowship of his sufferings. I will share in his cross and share in his life. I will share every day with him as I walk deeper with Jesus. For it is my heart's passionate desire to know him. For hear the word of the Lord to you today from Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. This is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom or the powerful boast in their power or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love, who brings justice and righteousness to the earth and that I delight in these things. You see, friends, True satisfaction and fulfillment are not found in things. True purpose is not found in education or knowledge or in your career. It's not found in hobbies or travels or relationships. You can only find true fulfillment when you live for the purpose for which you were created, to know and love God. And he's calling you to a deeper walk with him today. And if you want to be his follower, if you want to walk with Jesus, there are three simple steps you must take. Make a deeper surrender. For Jesus said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must 
give up your own way and make a deeper sacrifice. For Jesus said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must take up your cross daily and begin to walk in a deeper shared life with Jesus. For he calls you to follow him. Will you answer his call and go deeper? Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We ask you to open our eyes to see the height, the depth, the breadth, the width of your love for us, to see all you've done to call us to yourself. You are a jealous God, and we confess there are idols in our hearts. We've done good things from a wrong reason, but we pray today you reveal to us, convict us, and deal with us to strip away anything and everything that vies for your attention in our lives. We lay down every idol, every wrong motive, everything we've held on to for our own sake, and we surrender to you. We sacrifice our lives as a living sacrifice unto you. We give you our heart, mind, soul, strength, and all we have and all we are. We love you. We praise you. We want to walk with you every day and share life with you. Father, give us the grace and the strength to follow you in a deeper walk with Jesus. We thank you by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you for listening to this message. Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House New Testament Church in East Legon. If you are ever in Accra, we will like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7.30 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience.